You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. When I train government agencies, I train from pay grade three all the way up to SES, and we do little private classes offsite. They were a lot of fun, very intimate for leadership. And in one of the classes at the very end, we trick them and we say, hey, listen, okay, we're almost done. Tomorrow's your last day, but three of you are in charge of putting together an entire course wrap up for the last four days. And everyone's like, oh, I hope it's not me. I hope it's not me. So we said, all right. Those of you with the blue dot under your chair, you will be the three who will lead this event. And at the count of three, you can stand up and look under your chair. And everybody's like this, you know, you can see the panic. And of course, we know there's no blue dot. And so I count to three. They all stand up and I'm like, all right, sit down. There's no blue dot. But the blue dot is all of a sudden I hear there's a potential that I have to do X and I get worried and excited at the same time. And I'm in my, you know, my, maybe I get stressed out and my stress response system kicks off all because of what a thought I'm thinking that was it. So I implanted a thought and we create our own stress. And at the end, you've just gone through this emotional roller coaster for nothing because it was all self-induced. And so we, and it's, you know, it's a training skill by itself just to say, Hey, when things happen in life, that fear of the unknown is super scary. And we can create that self-induced stress, which is not good. So anyway, we call it that blue dot. I want to connect with you first as human to human. I want to create a safe space, and then I'm going to push you to cognitive overload and let you tell me the truth because it's going to feel so much How better. do you push people to cognitive overload? Increase that stress. Oh, okay. I keep asking you very detailed, specific questions about the lie. There's, there's questioning techniques out there that are meant to check for truthfulness and accuracy. And they're pretty tricky. And then we have, we have question types and you have questioning techniques. And they're meant to kind of trick you up just to say, if you told me a lie, I'm going to ask a question about it. And if you tell me the wrong answer, it's indicative that that was a lie. So g- or give me an example of one of those trick questions. So it's a control question and it's beautiful. So if I came in on the show and you guys asked me how many books I wrote and I say, hey, I wrote four books. And then in later on, 10 minutes later, you say, Nina, out of those three books that you write, which one did you enjoy writing most? Now, you see, I changed it up there. Uh-huh. I said I wrote four. You said I wrote three. If I'm paying attention, I should, I should say, no, Sean, I only wrote, you know, I wrote four, not three. I wrote four. But it, sometimes I'm not paying attention and I don't hear you. But if I heard you and I don't correct you. So I'll give you an example. There was a U.S. Marshal in one of my classes last year. And this is the funniest thing that happened. And he, I do this exercise where people have to sit in front of a class and tell a truthful story and a lie. And they don't tell, obviously, nobody knows which is which. So they go through and they tell these two stories. And this one gentleman, he had a story about fishing in Florida with Captain Dan. 
okay, and skiing in Keystone, Colorado. Well, everybody kept thinking that the fishing story was a lie because of the Captain Dan. They're like, there's no way. And there's no way that, you know, you caught these fish and blah, 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 and all these assumptions. And I said, but if you listen to how he's telling the stories, I thought the skiing was a story. So I said, let me check them. So I said, hey, Tom, how many days did you spend in Aspen when you were skiing? He's like, oh, three. I said, okay. Um, Then I said, you know, which one was the most difficult at that ski resort in Aspen. And he said, oh, it was the red run or something. I'm like, oh, there's no red, all right? So I'm like, okay, got it. Now, if you listen to what I'm saying, and if you paid attention into this podcast, you heard that he told us a story about fishing in Florida with Captain Dan and skiing in Keystone. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, Aspen. I did five questions. Aspen, 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 Aspen. Never once questioned me. Never once said, I, Lena, what are you talking about Aspen? I was in Keystone. So I knew it was a lie. So when I said, okay, class, you know, time to make your decisions, raise your hand, how many people think, you know, uh, fishing in Florida was a lie. About 80% of the class raised their hand. And I said, all right, how many people skiing? And then 20%. And I said, Tom, you never went skiing in Keystone. He's like, you got me so nervous. How did you know? I was like, well, first off, I said you, you were in immediately? Aspen. <laughs> immediately. Immediately. He's like, you scared me. <laughs> and so I said, did you hear Aspen? He's like, nope. And I was like, there you go. And that's when people are in cognitive overload. It's They're so stressed that they start to, you know, that, that cognitive ability decreases. I don't hear as well. I can't speak as well. I use shorter sentences, smaller words. You know, when, when I was a kid, my dad caught me one time using a, a trick similar to that. Uh, we lived in a house that was a kind of a split level house. So I had my own entrance and which was great as a high school kid, yeah. you know, had my own entrance and oh. exit. And uh, so he, he said, well, I want, you know, I want you to be home by curfew. And, you know, I was, I was pretty good. I, you know, I would always be home by curfew. But on that night, I happened to not be home by curfew, you know, by a little bit. And so I see him at breakfast in the morning. And why'd you just shrug that? <clears throat> well, <laughs> most times I was, but this time I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't home by curfew. So um, now I'm nervous about telling stories <laughs> to Lena because she, she's analyzing everything I'm doing. So, so the next morning at breakfast, he says, well, came in a little late last night. And I just start spilling the beans. I'm like, well, you know, my friend Joe, you know, he ran a gas. So we had to get gas for him. And, you know, and, you know, the party ended late and I didn't want to leave everybody. And he was my ride. And, you know, and I start explaining why I was indeed late for curfew. And uh, he goes, well, all right, you know, that's, you know, the consequences, yada, yada, yada. And so I got in trouble. I got grounded. And it wasn't until years later I, I mentioned, oh, yeah, I remember being home late you know, one time for curfew. And my dad said, Oh, I went to sleep. I never knew what time you got home. I just, I just get up in the morning and tell you and ask you why you were late and you would just spill the beans. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. And for all you parents out there listening, you have to use that. That is brilliant. This is what I'm struggling with, is if I'm sitting here silently judging someone, I'm going to have no hope in in making my in, words. In that. I can't yeah. fake that. Yeah, you, your your facial expressions are fairly transparent. 
<laughs> which I've been told is not a good thing. Um, yeah. I don't, do you focus on okay, changing have, your thoughts? Oh my, you read my mind, Sanger. I'm like, you're good at this. You already have the one thing you need to get over that. And you just said it. You just got to change your thoughts. Okay. That's it. So first you have to identify the thought you're thinking. I'm thinking X. That's I'm thinking I'm this, this uh, yeah, womanizer like is a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Bad, bad, bad. You know, disgusting. Don't like, I'm going to make sure I put you in jail, whatever, whatever. Stop thinking that thought. Change it to, I'm going to get you to trust me. I'm going to find the one thing that we can find common ground on. And then I'm going to create such a good environment. You're going to enjoy talking to me. And then I will influence and persuade you to tell me the truth. Mm. Those are the thoughts. Get rid of the bad thoughts. These thoughts do nothing for you. Nothing. So any type of thought that you think, no matter what the situation is, you don't have to be in an interview. If it is not going to help you, yeah. toss it aside. Stop thinking it. We have so much power in thought work. And I even have a friend, we get, we do lives in my private Facebook group. Every Thursday night, I go on a YouTube channel free and we talk about, you know, emotional contagion, thought distortions, um, detecting deception, all this stuff, right? That humans use with each other. And thought work is so powerful. And I have a good friend and we get into the woo-woo realm and she does a lot of manifestation and that kind of stuff, but thoughts are so powerful. And if we stop thinking that negative thought that is not going to have any positive outcome and just change it, it's just amazing what you get in return. I had a conversation with Dan Dapani, who is a, uh, who's a Hindu priest. One of the things he talked about was where your awareness shifts in your mind and what he was saying is that when you can become aware of this awareness or you know, you're conscious of this awareness and, and what's happening, you can control it. So if that awareness is going to, oh, this is a bad person, this is a terrorist, this is a criminal, that you're in total control of that. And you can then shift it back to, oh, I'm, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to create this safe space. I'm going to try and build that rapport. And uh, the more you focus on saying I'm, I'm not going to focus on their criminality or I'm not going to focus on their bad deeds, the harder that is to get to that proper So space. focus on thinking the opposite of what you don't want to focus think. on thinking of what you want to think about yeah. rather than avoiding yeah. what you don't want to think about. Yes. And it's just like the law of uh, attraction and law of positivity. When you think good things, good things happen. It's because that's what you're putting out there. It's a vibe. It's a sense. It's, I think it's so much more powerful than just, thinking good thoughts. You know, I do think it has this kind of ripple effect in our life and really attracts positive energy. Are you finding when you talk with people in negotiations that, you know, you're hoping that they're going to be straightforward with, with you, you want to be straightforward with them. Uh, how do you build the best sort of rapport to get the best outcomes in, in those types of situations? It goes back again to showing I'm trustworthy, right? You can trust me. So how does that look like? That looks like me exposing myself and being vulnerable, me being open and honest, even if it's embarrassing, um, not withholding any information, being open with my body language, asking good questions and showing genuine interest in them. And finally, and this one's Kate, having empathy. If I have that ability to put myself in your position then that means I have the interest enough to find out what your position is, what makes you happy, what your needs are, 
And because I've considered that, I'm now considerate. And because I'm considerate, I'm probably trustworthy. So it all comes together, but empathy is critical. And I like to teach, you know, people are always like the sympathy, empathy thing. Sympathy can just live in the trash can because sympathy disconnects us. That separates us. Empathy connects. Sympathy separates. Sympathy is me saying, oh, poor, you know, poor Sean. I feel sorry for you. Yeah, I feel sorry. It's pity. Nobody wants sympathy. People want empathy. And in empathy, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Just, I'm listening to you. Thanks for making the great decision to listen into this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Singer Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.